welcome to the Blind Tiger Podcast, your one-stop shop for your news, reviews, and all things brews. I am your host, a man who believes that tipping maketh the man, Rob Fisher. <laughs> With me, as always, is the man who believes that people who order Long Island iced teas at a busy bar deserve to be shot, <laughs> Mike Albright. And of course, the man whose audio wizardry can make our whispers audible in a busy bar, the man far, far too handsome for last call, Jesse Clark. Today is June 1st, 2015, and we're recording Sample Sode 45, Behind the Bar. This is the first in an exciting new miniseries where we talk to the unsung heroes of the craft beer world, the men and women that work behind the bar. Tonight we are joined by John Flavin. Flavin is famous, or perhaps an infamous, bartender in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And while you may find Flavin serving your beer at any number of Lancaster bars, he is also often found there performing as frontman for the Ogham Stones. Their unique brand of Irish punk rock music is a great addition to Lancaster's live music scene. But tonight, we are here to talk about his legendary and prestigious career dealing with Lancaster's many drunks. So welcome, Flavin. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So I guess uh, we should perhaps start at the beginning. So when did you get into bartending and how long have you been an active bartender? Uh, I've been bartending for over 20 years. I started when I was a junior at the University of Delaware down in Newark, Delaware at the uh, famed Deer Park Tavern. Um, I begged them to let me behind the bar. I was a kitchen person in there and line cook and, and just basically... Hounded them every minute. Let me behind the bar. Let me behind the bar. And uh, they uh, made me a bar back for a while. And then occasionally when we had a big event, there was a side service bar. And they opened that up and let me back. And that was it. Um, Moved back to Lancaster in the early 90s after being away for a bunch of years. And when I came back, started uh, with one of my best friends at the time, Pete Vonderheide, another legendary (laughs) Lancaster bartender. Uh, working at Hildy's. Oh, nice. so, Hildy's. And then, it's a classic yeah, place. Then we can all go downhill from there. <laughs> <laughs> the hill's not very far down. <laughs> Hildy's has a very soft spot in my heart. And I'm oh, saying yeah. that I'm there very often, but uh, I've had some very interesting nights there that uh, I'll never forget as long as I Definitely. live. Oh, and that place is, is legendary. I mean, for so many reasons. I worked there uh, when one of the original owners was still alive, uh, Leo. And Leo was an elderly gentleman, but a great guy who lived upstairs. And uh, our interactions with him were kind of surreal. It, it involved basically putting the money in a dumbwaiter and sending it up to him <laughs> and getting written instructions the next day Down the in the dumbwaiter <laughs> when we came in. So that was about it. It was kind of like the, uh, the, the man under the stairs, except he was over our heads. That's pretty and, hilarious. Uh, then that was sold, and and uh, well, that's a whole other story. So you never met him. It seemed very David Lynch. I uh, know, I uh, know. I, I had lay eyes on him. We knew okay. he was. We knew he existed. <laughs> uh, in fact, like I said, Pete, who was the bar manager at the time, had a lot of interactions with him. But for those of us who are just kind of run of the mill, day to day, you know, nighttime bartenders, uh, we rarely ever saw him, except right. to, like I said, send up the money at the end of the night and expect something the next day <laughs> when we came in. So. <laughs> So I guess, um, you know, I've had enough interactions with bartenders, but maybe not all of our listeners would necessarily know the distinction between bar back versus bartender in terms of what duties the two might have. A bar back is, well, it's, it's usually, like I said, a junior grade position that somebody is begging and clawing to get their way into the bar uh, scene or trying to get some experience. A uh, bar back is 
your runner, their, your, 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 your rented mule that you will kick and punch and you know make them run for things. A great place like the Chameleon would put on barbacks during times when we were really busy. Uh, they're just basically people who run, they do all the things that a bartender shouldn't have to do except for wait on the customers. So they're changing kegs, they're getting ice, they are restocking beer, they are uh, basically doing everything that needs to be done to keep the bar running. And it certainly explains why you don't see a lot of 85-pound uh, short women being barbacks because <laughs> Absolutely not. lifting kegs around <laughs> is, uh, I don't want to say a man's job per se, but someone with some serious strength and uh, endurance for sure. Well, yeah, Definitely. you got to be able to carry at least two cases of beer probably and, like I said, move manhandle kegs. So how is working at Hildy's? I can't imagine that there's got to be a lot of guys or people, customers there who are at ordering a number of complicated mixed drinks. You're probably talking <laughs> beer and shot sort of people. Beer and shot place, but the great thing that Hildy's still sometimes aspires to be, but I think they, they haven't done in a long time, is really be the quintessential college bar. Yeah. When, when I worked there, we had a really easy routine. There were day timers in there who, when I came in at about 6 or 7 o'clock at night, it was my job to get them the hell out because they'd been drinking all day and they were you know, middle class working, you know, blue collar guys and they were, they, were, they were done. So it was my job to flag everybody who'd been there during the day, get them out because right about seven o'clock you want the FNM girls to start showing up and you want them to feel comfortable and, and you know, and like what's on the, the jukebox or whatever it is and sit down and have their pictures and sit in their little congregations. And then you want the FNM guys to come in and see that there are girls there. And then you want the rest of the people to show up and find a crowded bar filled with young, attractive, drinking people. So, uh, you know, I think the last couple of times I've been in there, um, and again, I, I love it. It's a great place, and I know a lot of the bartenders who work there now, and I know a lot of the regulars, so I'm, I'm trying not to put the place down. But it's really gotten out of that rhythm for being a what I would consider to be a college dive bar. Yeah. I, uh, the last time I was there, uh, James Lipka's uh, younger brother was there um, before his motorcycle accident, and it was hilarious getting him drunk and listening to an entire history of my friend James from the perspective of a younger brother <laughs> and him being like, no, you were totally full of bullshit, and it was hilarious. <laughs> and uh, thinking about it, there were a couple of FNM guys in there, but it was mostly regulars that clearly, you know, they, they, they were norm, you know, from right. Cheers. It was, that was my stool, and what are you doing in my stool sort of guys, yeah. so... Uh, um, but, you know, great guys to drink with. I've said that um, those sorts of bars, uh, especially for like St. Patty's Day when it's like a big drinking day. Oh, absolutely. Best bar experience I've ever had was at the Shamrock on St. Patty's Day because everybody was in love with everybody. That was pretty cool, yeah. You Not know, sure way. I'd go back on another day, you know, it's necessarily. I, I, I reached for three days there, afterwards. But, <laughs> but, yeah. They still have smoking at Hildy's though right now, right? No, I believe. I thought no. they had those UFO things that are spitting. Oh, above. good question. I don't know. Uh, that might be. I know Brandy's is still smoking. Yeah. Uh, well, Hildy's doesn't serve any food, so they should be smoking. Yeah, yeah. I think that. I remember seeing. I've been there recently. To, um, I mean, it's down the street from me. Um, and seeing that those things that the I guess the air cleaners that spin whatever uh, very unusual ones. Um, but then I saw them recently at Brandy's now too. Yeah. Like giant air filters, they're just but they're spinning. spinning. It's like yeah. they're, I'm going to go back in time or something. It's like <laughs> sending the smoke back to the '80s or something. Be cool. I, every time I go into Hildy's, I always forget that they're cash only. That's my weakness. Oh yeah. Because uh, invariably, I'm always short of funds, so I have to like turn right back around. True. I think they have an ATM. Yeah. They do, and they do in the back. 
Uh, the jukebox is cool, yeah. And uh, they have a pretty decent selection of beer as well. And that's the one, I mean, I think the thing that's gotten lost in a lot of creation of a good dive bar is the jukebox. Mm-hmm. A not an internet jukebox, yeah, not and touch, anybody touch can walk in, not, you know, can walk in and ruin the entire, <laughs> you know, mood of a bar or, you know, the rhythm of what's going on or somebody can just pound the thing with $8 and make everybody listen to horrible tunes that you don't want to. I always said, if I have a bar, it is going to have an old-fashioned well, old CD, old-fashioned CD jukebox. <laughs> but it will be the CDs that I or my clientele or my staff selects and says, these are going to be the CDs you are going to listen to. There's going to be thousands of different selections of music, right, yeah. so you're not going to get you know old of it. And we'll rotate them. But yeah, you're not going to have that, which I just can't stand, is the touch tone machines. The touch touch, you touch, touch tunes. You're, abso- stand them. you're absolutely right. Someone always, like, I put in money before and been there for a couple hours and never heard my song played because somebody else got there before me and just spent $20 to listen to whatever oh, yeah. they wanted. Or the they can actually pay more money to have their song yeah, jump to, to the front the of the queue. Oh, and, oh yeah. yeah oh, oh, I yeah. didn't know that. <laughs> Fuck them. <laughs> right. Yeah. I've been in Dirty exactly. Old Tavern and have, like, Nickelback six songs in a row. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> right. Cutting off, like, the cool tunes that Ramirez has put on and it's absolutely. just like, F it, I'm out of here. Yeah. You know, that's, like, terrible. Yeah. No, the, uh, in fact, when I lived in Philadelphia, um, side story, but related, uh, a bartender that I knew who worked there, uh, and his wife routinely every year put out a little pocket sized handbook called Philly's best bars. And it was divided up by neighborhood region. And my roommate then at the time was also in the, the bar restaurant industry. And I would make it the, our task for that coming year to, visit every bar in the mm-hmm. book you know oh, get a bartender nice. to sign off on it or something like that but they had it was it was a tongue-in-cheek it had all sorts of great little uh icons representing the different bars cheap beers dive bar but one of the ones they always had was great jukebox uh, and that was a really you know and, and just absolutely right we would probably enjoy the bars that were known for having great jukeboxes yeah it sets the mood it sets the whole environment absolutely yeah. i mean yeah. if you want to be a punk bar then you know what's going to be in the jukebox. You want to be a country bar, and then you know what that's going to be. And you can really set the stage and set the mood for your entire bar by the music selection in the jukebox. And I'm thinking of practical jokes to go into a country bar and like pick out a bunch of like rap music and put it on the touch tunes and then run out before I get my ass kicked. <laughs> right, <exactly. laughs> I've done that in high school. <laughs> Maybe not in that exact situation, but I remember as I was leaving, I watched and I saw them go behind the jukebox and pull the plug. <laughs> and at the few bars that I worked at that had the, the touch tunes, yes, there was always a remote control behind the bar. The bartender was never supposed to be able to use it, but... I it probably happened, yeah. more than Next. more times than I was supposed to exercise my veto on nice. the jukebox when I would say, uh-uh, yeah. click. It may have been me and Nick DeSanto, and it may have been putting the, um, there was the, oh gosh, what are they called? Um, oh shit, I forget the name of the, the chipmunks. They're, Alvin um, and the Chipmunks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're uh, whatever Nights of Christmas. How, how many? Did, uh, 12, 12, 12 days. Oh, yeah, 12 yeah. They played like a 15-minute song. Yeah, we did it. We put it like eight times in a row. <laughs> oh, God. So you were that guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was like 17. <laughs> and I think it was uh, the whatever diner that's on. Neptune. It was a Neptune diner. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. 
just waiting for all of a sudden all of your drinks in town to go up by like five dollars because <laughs> Flavin's part of the network. Jesse won't screw with the bartender. <laughs> I won't edit this. So when you see Jesse walk in, yeah. no, it was an Neptune shut diner. Shut off the jukebox. And, I mean, who, who else has the you know the Alvin and the Chipmunks? Unfortunately, on Touch Tunes you can download it. So yeah, anybody can, which is the problem. All right, I'm uh, sorry. <laughs> So uh, I've been noticing a lot of articles about the do's and do nots as a bar customer um, as obviously craft beer has been exploding, getting a different set of clientele into a bar and uh, they're not just ordering Bud Light anymore. So I guess as an, especially for our region, um, an experienced bartender, what are you looking for out of a customer, especially somebody who maybe wants to go from the, I just walked in from the first time to maybe being a valued regular other than showing up regularly? Like what are the really good things to do as a drinker to help make the bartender's life easier? And what are the, like the things that are really terrible that you might not think about that make a bartender's life miserable? Well, I'll get this out of the way first because this is what everybody expects me to say. Tip. Well, <laughs> yep. yes. uh, you know, but again, it's not all about money. Everybody thinks it is. Do you tip in the beginning? Do you tip at the end? When you uh, well, well, let's come back to tipping. We'll, 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 we'll do that. Um, being a good customer is just about knowing what you like. And if you don't know how to order it or you don't know exactly what you want, knowing how to ask for what you want. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I, would, I have no problem explaining the different types of beers we have on tap you know, to anybody, you know, who comes in, what's that one like? You know, I can give a basic description without, or I'll give you a taste of it, but that one's, you know, that's an IPA. That's pretty hoppy. That's a porter. It's going to be a little bit malty and dark, you know, no problem with that. Um, it's, it's the insane questions. It's, it's <laughs> the, you know, what do you have that tastes like Bud Light? You know? yeah. Well, that would probably be, be Bud, Bud Light. Light. You know? it's or in the hey, if you really want to go around the world, try yourself a Coors Light. You know? <laughs> when, when you have one of those and really experiment with things, um, you know, it, it's it, or or it's, you know, I like something fruity. Mm, me too. Right? <laughs> you know, let's go get a Sunday. You know. Uh, you know, can you make me something good? That's another great, fantastic yeah. question I get. Nope. Yes, o- I can. Only shitty stuff. And, yep. <laughs> well, exactly. And, you know, my egotistical is that everything I make is good. So <laughs> I'm going to make you something and, and you're not going to like it, but I'm going to know it's good. You know? <laughs> um, so, you know, if you have a preference for a liquor and, you know, and, and here's the other thing. Make sure the bartender's not busy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. If it's slow and the bartender seems to be ambling around and says to you, "Hey, how you doing? What's going on?" in a calm, relaxed voice, and you say, "I don't know. You know, I'm kind of in the mood for something with gin. What's your favorite gin to drink?" Oh, you know, I'm. I have a a real uh, hard on right now for blue coat gin. It's one of the best gins I've ever had. It's distilled right in Philadelphia. Uh, I will. I will talk about that for ten minutes if I'm not busy. Uh, if the bartender's running around frantically and the bartender is moving constantly and says to you something like, hey, what can I get you? Then, yeah, that's not the right time to ask what, you know, what kind of specialty drinks that, you know, you want that you don't know are or, you know, you, you give some kind of vague thing and expect the bartender to, to run you around the bases. Um, so, really, I mean, it, 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 you got to pick your time. You got to pick your spot. Uh, if you're in a you know, slow, casual bar bartender walks up to you and says hey what can i get you that's an open invitation to having a conversation about alcohol because 
we all love alcohol. That's the thing about bartenders. If you're if you are a bartender and you say I don't like drinking or I don't like alcohol, you're a bad bartender. I don't care who you are. You are a bad, crappy, shitty bartender. Stop. You know. But if if someone walks up to me and I've got the time to talk to them and they say, "What's your favorite drink to drink?" or you know, "What's your favorite whiskey?" or "Can you recommend something?" I will spend ten minutes with that person and make sure you get the drink you want. Excellent. Well, that's good. It's refreshing. A lot of the articles I've read of like uh, you should always just go in and order a beer and a shot and never order anything complicated and never ask for da da da. And it's nice to hear that um, you know, especially with uh, the level of complexity of the offerings, especially as as craft beers exploded, where you can go in there might be thirty beers on tap mm-hmm. and to never have had any of them and try to find something you're going to like, you kind of want some guidance. So I think it is kind of important to know that you can walk into a place and have time if you're at the right time. But if you're just waited for 20 minutes because the place is three deep around that yeah. maybe you should just say, I know that I like that thing that I've had once. I should <laughs> right. just order that. So yeah. I don't have to. Yeah. A, a good, a good, a good thing is, yeah. How long do you have to wait to the before the bartender comes to you? And it's not because the bartender's down texting on their phone. It's because they're moving around doing things. Right. If, if they're moving around, waiting on other people and you've been waiting for a while, then yes, you know, the bartender's busy. Okay. Uh, and you know, uh, I've, I've, I've had fantastic, great, regulars and good friends who know me for some of the drinks that I make. I make what I consider to be a very unusual Long Island iced tea, <laughs> you know, which tastes different than most other people's Long Island iced teas. But do I want to make it when I'm four deep at the bar, you know, and stuff like that? Yeah. I might say, you know, hey, can can you wait or please do me a favor, get something else. I also, I love Bloody Marys. I am a Bloody Mary connoisseur. I um, with Bloody Marys like chefs are with London broils and prime rib and that kind of stuff. But I can't make them at, you know, one thirty in the morning on a Saturday when we're packed. Right. You know, I can't make a Bloody Mary or at least I can't make a good Bloody Mary then. I can throw something together to get it across the bar, but I can't spend five minutes on it or ten minutes if I really, really want to. Like I would on a Sunday morning when you come in and you know, like, you know, and there's nobody at the bar. Then I can I can I can make a Bloody Mary that has roasted garlic in it if you want it because I will go in the kitchen and roast it. Nice. You know that kind wow. of stuff. All right, <laughs> where are you this Sunday? <laughs> so is this mixology or is this bartending? Like where is that where is that line? Mixology is weird. I mean that's almost like a college you took a uh, course you took at college. You know, uh, and and it's funny because I. People always ask me, did you ever take the course? <laughs> yes, I took the course. I took it when I was in college and I was trying to be a bartender. And I quickly realized that that course taught me dick. <laughs> <laughs> that course taught me how to make drink recipes, which is okay. It's okay that a bartender knows a lot of drink recipes. It's more important that a bartender knows what tastes good and how to put drinks together by taste. I'll even have someone come in and say, oh, I like peach. Fantastic. I will whip you up a drink in five minutes that I probably won't remember five minutes after I made it what I put in it, but you're going to taste it and you're going, oh my God, that's the best drink I've ever had because I know what tastes good together. I know what, you know, vodkas go good with what mixers and what gins go good with what spirit, you know, other spirits and, and, you know, what garnishes to use. So uh, I think a bartender is different than a mixologist and a bartender is a drinker. A mixologist (laughs) is a person who took a course. All right. I was going to ask you about the courses because a buddy of mine took one of those bartending courses to try and get into a bar. I was wondering if they were any good or not. If they're just technically, technically, I'm a Harvard graduate. I'm a graduate of the Harvard bartending school. Nice. Uh, All right, which basically meant that 
you know, the guy at the bar that I worked at at the time, you know, made us all buy a $20 text from Harvard, you know, and, and then, you know, made us buy pour spouts and measuring cups and jiggers and all that other kind of stuff. And with the promise, and the course of the cost was a couple hundred bucks, which for a starving undergraduate was pretty staggering yeah, yeah, at the time, you know, for a certificate. Which, you know, supposedly I was then going to walk around stapled to my chest and walk in every bar. <laughs> and they were going to be falling all over themselves to have me because I'm a Harvard bartending graduate. Which is within why I was a bar back for two years carrying kegs. That's how you get into bartending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so what was the most unusual drink request you've ever had then? Uh, it's straight. I mean, when people come in and they want to order a Mai Tai and I have to literally stop you know, and search the files, <laughs> you know, uh, somebody, I just recently, uh, wanted a zombie and I was, I surprised myself by saying, we don't have any papaya. <laughs> you know, and, then like, and then looking at me and saying, there's papaya in a zombie. And I'm like, well, why are you asking me for a drink that you don't know what's in it? So I can make you anything I want. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and say, but I, I and but I shocked myself. Man, we don't have papaya. Where the hell did that come from? There's papaya and a zombie. I guess I know that. You know. Um, so again, a lot of bartenders will just say, "What color do you want?" Okay. All right. Okay. If you come up with something crazy, you say to me, "It's Singapore sling." Singapore sling's supposed to be red. I know what I know how to make a red drink. Here you go. Yeah. You know, I'll make you something red, and you'll drink it. And chances are, you'll be like, "Oh my god, that's the best Singapore sling I've ever had." And I'm like, I couldn't tell you what's in that you know i just made it really quickly so uh you know there's actually oh, i've got to give these guys their props if you've never seen it please your listeners check out the bartender hates you.com uh, <laughs> and it's it's actually you know bar, real bartenders send their little scenarios in and this production company uh you know, writes like little three-minute skits, and they actually use a bar that's closed at night with actual bartenders and bar patrons, and reenact these little skits. And one of them is the guy who walks over, and you can tell beneath the bar, he's reading from his little bar journal, and he's like, uh, "Yeah, you know, uh, give me uh, you know three muff divers, <laughs> and I want a you know a Singapore sling and a uh, you know." back-ass donkeys sitting on the grass, that kind of stuff. And the bartender looks at him and says, bartending school? And the guy reaches out to give him props. You know, give him a bump, and the guy says, get the fuck out of here. So are these, are they, these work on trends then, uh, do they? Or? There's all sorts of trendy drinks. I mean, it, well, there's trendy liquors too. Flavored vodkas are the huge oh, yeah. thing right now. You're going to see cotton like candy vodkas uh, and candy toasted. Corn. Yeah, exactly. And... You know, to me, that's that's just beer reps or liquor reps. I'm sorry, liquor reps being liquor reps, which is, you know, God love you all, liquor reps, and give keep giving me free stuff. But <laughs> you know, every time a, a spirits company comes out with a new, the, the liquor reps have to sell it like it's the greatest thing in the entire right. world, right. and you know, we'll promise to give you a you know a free bottle if you order six and all that other kind of stuff. And then you're stuck with this crap that you can't make anything with. Again, you're like candy corn liquor. Yeah. You know, candy corn vodka. What are you going to make out of that? You I know. don't even eat candy corn. Right now. <laughs> right, right. You know, uh, and then you're stuck with, again, if you're the person buying it, you know, luckily if you're the bartender, 
you're not necessarily responsible except when the you know the patron <laughs> comes to you and says you know what can you make out of that and i don't know i think it tastes like crap so you know drink it as a shot how about yeah. that yeah. i'll chill it for you if you like candy corn <laughs> I'll, I'll chill it for you drink it as a shot and and shut up so this is a real thing though candy corn vodka is- oh there's whipped cream vodka there's uh key lime pie vodkas yeah. there are these are like the jelly flavored beans. the flavored rums exactly right if you went into any of those you know those those gourmet jelly bean bags there is vodka for each of those flavors all right and uh, just somebody like- somewhere is coming up with recipes for these things which is great but uh unless again you're a bartender who's got you know eight minutes to spend on each customer you're not going to be making these incredibly complex yeah. eight-shot drinks, you know, with with four different mixers, you know, and then tossed and turned and then garnished eight times and stuff like that. So, you know, again, I, I kind of pride myself on being a quick-service bartender. Get the customers waited on as fast as possible. Uh, good drinks, but fast drinks. I feel like it's a good partnership there between Smirnoff and like Jelly Belly, where <laughs> right. we have all of these recipes for these fake flavors. You know, for the, all the artificial flavoring, you just got to shove those into a vodka and then just keep churning them out. Absolutely. So. Is there a buttered then, popcorn? Vodka? Is there an earwax vodka <laughs> coming? You know, like. oh, that's pretty box. <laughs> um, that's that's really. Uh, I mean, I, I guess that's because I don't understand like the massive popularity behind like Fireball. I feel like that yeah, stuff just. I was going to ask your thoughts on that. What do you think of that? I think it's terrible. Again, I hate Fireball. I, I can't. I, I've never been a big fan of artificial cinnamon to save my life to begin yeah. with. I mean. When I was a little kid, I, I know what cinnamon toast tastes like. That's what I've been. That's what I used to make cinnamon. I put cinnamon on buttered toast, and that's why. I, and nothing from, you know, uh, Red Hots to, you know, cinnamon gum. Yeah, it, it doesn't you know, taste like it, cinnamon. It, yeah. Right. It, yeah. it just it just tastes like burning. To quote Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, and yes, uh, just the, the the fantastic, overwhelming uh, wave of Fireball drinkers. Uh, you know, again, I, I know I know lots of them, and I love them, and you know, I, I'm not looking at you in particular, whoever you are. But uh, yeah, Fireball. No, anybody tries to hand me a shot of it, I put it down. I won't drink it. You know, hopefully somebody always asks me what kind of shot they can buy for me when I'm behind the, outside of the bar. You know, before I will, but they just walk up to me and hand me any, you know, mm-hmm. reddish brown liquid. I'm like, that's Fireball, isn't it? <laughs> I won't have it. I don't, I, care. I don't care who I insult. <laughs> so on the other end, then, I mean, so you're going, going over drinks that are crap. I mean, are, what was like a good drink, or maybe even your first drink that was like uh, that you realized a, a drink could be complex and nuanced? Actually, strangely enough, I mean, I know we mentioned it earlier, and, I, and I'm and I'm not trying to take away from the joke. A Long Island iced tea is a good drink. Okay. I mean, and I don't mind making a good Long Island iced tea um, because they're actually relatively simple to make. It's really just take all the clear liquors and I have a little special ingredient, which I'm not going to share. <laughs> Come get one. Um, that actually I can make a Long Island iced tea that tastes pretty much exactly like Turkey Hill iced tea, oh. which knowing all the Turkey Hill crack addicts around yeah, here, yeah. You, you do know, well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, they'll taste it and be like, oh my God, that tastes exactly like, you know, I'm not going to make a flavored Turkey Hill, lemon tea, that kind of stuff. So, you know, you can make the raspberry, make the peach, all that other kind of stuff. So it's that's a good drink, like I said. You know, um, as far as complex drinks, again, Bloody Mary, I'm a huge fan. Uh, I make mine with tequila. I'm a Bloody Maria kind of guy. Um, but, again, you can. That's, that's a drink you can go all over the spectrum. Do you want it spicy? And you'll load it up with 
jalapeno juice and uh, horseradish, or do you want it meaty and put you know a ton of Worcestershire and, and A1 sauce in it? So mm-hmm. you know, I can I, my Bloody Marys actually look more brown than they do red, but that's the way I drink them. So if you can explain to a bartender what you want, a good bartender knows how to make things taste good. Like a good cook, like a good chef, will say, "I can make you something that'll taste like that." Nice. What what liquors don't go well together? <laughs> uh, <laughs> taste wise or consumption wise or <laughs> end of the night wise? Ooh, yeah. I have it all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it's, I mean, I've definitely seen. In fact, I just uh, I do like Bar Rescue. That's my guilty pleasure into yeah, the you know <laughs> into the uh, you know because there are some shitty, crappy, awful not only bars but also bartenders out there mm-hmm. and I saw some guy like you know with a with a specialty cocktail menu that said oh you, you know we use flavored vodkas and whiskeys together and mm. and I, I my oh. stomach curdled yeah. at the same time yeah. like you know whiskey is a distinct taste that's completely different than any flavored vodka so why would you blend the two so there's definitely spirits that shouldn't be put together I mean again whiskeys almost invariably with the exception of vermouth almost shouldn't be blended with anything else except, you know, perhaps other types of blended whiskeys. I always love it when people, like, you know, make four horsemen that shot, you know, Mm -hmm. which is just taking four whiskeys and mixing them together, which makes one incredibly bland whiskey, you know, I think when you... um, But, yeah, mixing whiskeys with other spirits usually doesn't work. Um, I'm a rum person as opposed to vodka, and I don't like mixing rums and vodkas. I think those should be distinct... Uh, but then you've got all your um, cordials, which mm-hmm. are usually really good at, which, was, which is another thing. I can't understand all the flavored vodkas because there are so many flavored cordials that you can use, which complement a base liquor like rum or vodka so well that you don't really need those other things. Like I said, I don't need a peach vodka. Or if people say, "Do you have, oh, do you have peach Smirnoff? No, I have vodka. And I have peach knobs. Mm-hmm. The two of those things together, I can make you whatever drink you want. I don't need that, you know, and then people will roll their eyes. Oh, you don't have peach vodka. <laughs> you know, I've got other things that I can make the same taste with. And in fact, I guarantee it'll be better. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. Um, so what do you feel about high-end drinkers, the guys that come in who want their 15-year-old age single malt scotches? Are they more or less annoying than your typical... If you're in a bar that has that stuff, then you're probably going to attract that type of drinker. And if you're going to attract that type of drinker, then those guys can be great because they often do know exactly what it is they're talking about. My only beef is when you order a thing like a McAllen's, which is a fantastic whiskey... But then complain about the fact that it's $25 a shot. Right. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, you, you heard the name McCallum's from somewhere, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, you didn't just walk in off the bar, see it probably behind our back bar because it's usually not sitting out front. It's going to be behind all the other call liquors or in a special case or whatever it else is. So you knew somewhere that that's a good liquor. And then you ordered a shot of it and then complained about how expensive it was. You know, there's a, a, sometimes we get that, you know, when, when people order stuff they've seen off of videos and all yeah. that other kind of stuff. I want a Cavassier. I want a, you know, uh, I went right out of my head. What the hell? So I'm thinking of. But, you know, and then complain with $7 a shot or $8 a shot. Right. You know, I, you know, well, it's that expensive because that's what we pay for it because you saw it on a video yeah. somewhere and people are, 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 you know, now marking it up. 
Right. If you want to be a baller, you got to pay the price. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I appreciate people who like good liquor. And okay. if they know what they come in and they want to order, that's great. Have you, uh, just be prepared that if you're ordering high end, you're going to pay high end. Have you ever worked at a bar that had that? Is the Louis the 13th? That super, like it's $100 a shot. Oh, no, I don't think I've had that one before. Um, when, when I was living in Philadelphia, my roommate was the sous chef at a very prestigious downtown steak house. And uh, they had, in an enclosed case behind the bar, mm-hmm. the Silver Stag, which was a crystal bottle with a solid silver stag head in it. It was like, you know, 45-year-old scotch. Wow. And uh, we used to drink in that bar after he got off work, and one then we used to talk to the bartenders all the time and ask them if they'd ever served any of the stag. And you know, guys who've been there years would look at it and say, "No, nobody's ever opened that <laughs> case before." And then he called me. I was I was home in our little roach-ridden apartment, you know, like trying, you know, probably desperately to make a bacon sandwich or something. And uh, he called me and said, "You got to get down here." there's a guy drinking the silver stag and <laughs> and I went running down and I think it was George Burns's older brother not really but I mean but that's kind of what this guy looked like he was but he had two very 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 attractive uh 20 something year old ladies on his arm and uh he was celebrating and he was drinking the silver stag at about 150 dollars a shot he would get one about every half hour for him and his two companions oh. and order the entire bar around every time he drank one which is the way to go i mean i got to hand it to this guy whoever he was and i'm god if he's still with us now he's 145 years old <laughs> but you know that that's the way to act in a bar if you're gonna drink high end and and really show it off then go for it <laughs> you know you put but everyone yeah. in the bar that shot or no no, no, no. Okay. just him and his two companions yes, but okay. then he got around for everybody okay, okay. else in the bar uh, while well. he drank those shots so yeah, so four hundred fifty bucks a pop for him and his girls, and uh, the, the silver, the silver stag. That was great. I love that. I was at the Belvedere and I had their forty-five Macallan there once. Nope. Um, that was amazing. Um, I did pay forty dollars or so for right. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I knew yep. that was going to happen, but right. And yeah, yeah, hey, celebrating a birthday, anniversary, yeah. you know. No, actually, I just wanted <laughs> <laughs> It was a Friday. Oh, oh, Friday. Friday. <laughs> We're celebrating this a Friday. Uh, it was but <laughs> If you're happy and you're, and you're doing it for a reason, then there's every reason to do that. Celebrating, you know? they had $40 to burn. Yeah, it was, I, I, I was at the liquor store earlier. I saw them like, wow, am I ever going to try, get to have that? bottle look how expensive it is that night we we're there and it was with the girl i was dating and she's like oh i'll cover your drink you just had one i'm like i'm pretty sure my one is more than all of your friends <laughs> drinks combined i'll take the whole tab um but she uh she completely said no 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 I'll, then after she saw it of course then she did hand it over to me right <laughs> so crazy customers crazy yeah. customers oh yeah talk about some of your favorite experiences with crazy customers oh, if you would yeah there's i you know it's so funny because you you, you Literally, after a while, customers start to lose their individuality and they become <laughs> that guy or that girl, you know, and they become that type of customer. Okay. So yeah, it's tough even after all the years to try to say, oh, I remember that specific guy because that specific guy has been around and, and come in at least a dozen times. It was just different people with the, the same, you know, the hero with many faces, uh, you know, um, it, it's just there's just a million things that people do which uh, makes you that guy or that girl. Uh, One 
if you're ordering a round of shots, order the same shots. Uh, <laughs> all right. Don't be that guy who comes up and says, uh, I need uh, you know, two woo-woos and uh, two, boy, two cowboy cocksuckers and, and uh, you know, three uh, Long Island iced teas. And, you know, just it, 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 well, that's not a shot, but anyway. Um, just try, please, whenever you can, which, you know, sometimes I'm the jerk who says I won't drink Fireball with everybody else, but I'm also not going to make you make me a third Reich or anything like that that's right. going to involve you know if if you're just going to order a round of shots try to get the same shots okay. especially when they if, if a bartender has to touch more than one bottle to make a <laughs> shot it's a pain in the ass shot and we'll make them I mean of course we will if I'm going to you as the bartender and order six of them you're going to make six of the same thing you're not going to drink make two of this and three of that and two of those um, so again that's that's something that I think uh and unfortunately, I'm going to have to be the sexist dick here. Ladies, buy each other a drink once in a while, okay? <laughs> if you're out with a group of ladies, occasionally trust your friends that they will buy you a drink if you buy them one, okay? There's nothing worse than a large, oh, bachelorette parties. Kill me when a bachelorette party walks <laughs> into the bar because you're going to have 18 people all with you know, a separate bill or, or a separate check or they don't want to pay. They're all best friends, but they think nobody else is going to buy around if they get one. Whereas, strangely enough, guys who can be dicks are falling all over each other to pay for the next round. You know, I got the next round. No, I got the next round. I got the next round. Okay, ladies, you know, will order 18 different drinks and expect each pay for them with a $20 bill <laughs> or, or want a separate credit card. Yeah. Uh, and that's just that, that slows things down. So if you're in a bar and you're not getting service, I guarantee you look around. You know, there's, there's prob- you've probably arrived right after a bachelorette party. Uh, they're horrible. Um, yeah, know what you want. You know, it's a good idea. Now, can you ask a bartender questions? Of course you can, especially like I said, if you're looking at the tap beers and you're you're not familiar with one. But if you make the bartender talk to you for five minutes about beers and then you order a Coors Light okay? <laughs> that, that, that's annoying as hell okay or when you're standing in front of the taps and ask what do you have on tap mm. another annoying thing <laughs> so you know take take a minute if the bartender there's nothing worse than the snapping that's great yeah I know I know you've got two fingers yeah. and can push them together that's great just waving uh, money around right. that waving do- money yeah. oh again back to back to the bartender hates you there's a great thing where the guy's waving money over the crowd and the bartender just walks by snatches it and says thanks and keeps walking <laughs> um, you know, there, there's there's a million things that bartenders will give you bad service for we have to wait on all of you you're our customers but I don't have to wait on you in any particular order mm. Okay. And if it's busy, especially when it's busy, and you think what you're doing is going to get you faster service, I guarantee you're getting pushed to the end of my mental line in my head. I know who I'm waiting on next. I know who I'm waiting on after that. I know who I'm waiting on three or four people down the line, and I'll keep pushing you back. And then you'll keep getting more and more angry, and then I'll be smiling, my little smile inside my head. <laughs> you know. And then when I finally come up to you and say, okay, what can I get you? And you go, uh, <laughs> you just right. wait 25 minutes Come right on. exactly exactly and sometimes i mean you were so anxious to be waited on and you don't know what you want <laughs> i mean I, I don't think i've ever walked into a bar where i didn't know what the drink i wanted was you know 
even if I had to pick one from a you know like a bar menu or or you know a, a, a draft menu, I can do that before I get your attention. Right. So if someone tipped you early, say, would that get you like so if they if like the first drink they laid out a, a ten or a fifteen whatever uh, would that get you put them at the top absolutely. of the list? Absolutely, absolutely. So tipping the at the beginning is the oh, best. I, I love it when people say, "I'll get you at the end," and to me that means. I have to know who you are to trust that that's going to be worth my okay. while. <laughs> you know, I actually proved this to a friend of mine a bunch of years ago. Uh, it was a business conference. This is a guy who wasn't a bartender. We were at this uh, huge uh, like a, a conference um, and, and a conference center, uh, I should say. And it was Halloween. So besides this conference going on, this big conference center was the center of this little small town that we were in. So. Everybody was at this bar for a Halloween party. So everybody was in costumes. Everybody's packing the bars. There was, you know, dozens of things. And he said, he was challenging me on this stuff. You know, come on, bartenders don't really pay attention to this stuff. I said, come with me. And we went right to the bar, got ourselves up to the, you know, waited patiently. When the bartender came around, I said to her, you know, can we please have two beers, whatever we were drinking at the time, and laid down a 20. That's for you. We didn't wait for another beer more than two minutes for the rest of the night. Because we set that now, I didn't tip her ten dollars every time. Yeah. But she knew who to look for when she was scanning the bar. If she saw us, she was coming to us because she had already gotten that tip, as opposed to me being the guy who goes, "Hey, I'll get you in a couple hours." When of course I've drank all my money and don't have more than four dollars to leave her at the end of the night, and now she thinks I'm a jerk. So. Yes, there are ways of getting a bartender's positive attention. Uh, it's not always about money. It is about being polite. It's about not being a jerk. It's about uh, knowing what to order. You know, if a bartender knows you're an easy order, of course they're going to go to you before the person who just made them makes eight different shots. You know, for you know a bunch of different people, and then kept oh the add-ons. Don't do the add-ons. Okay, if a bartender takes your order and then you they bring it to you and you go oh and. Uh, oh, oh, and, you know, oh, two more. Can you make that four? Can you make that seven instead of what you already brought me because I, I didn't know how to order it when I you know, came to you? Then, you know, you're just going to make that bartender irate, and that's going to put you to the back of the line. That's so good, that, to, good to know. I think I've done that before. So We all have. I mean, there's <laughs> okay. always that, you know, and again, if you apologize for it, you're still going to be okay. okay. I apologize, you know, my, the two people just walked up. Could you please get me? You know, and then again, if it's reflected in the tip at the end of that round, mm -hmm. great. Then the bartender will be much more congenial. It's not to say that at the time they might not be a little annoyed, but if you are making sure that they know you appreciate their extra effort, then you're good. So you said that was Halloween. That was a Halloween. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Say, say it's Halloween and I don't know, you're dressed like the devil and you're behind a bar and I don't know, there's a guy who's dressed like Jesus. What would you do? Ah, you're talking about real life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think, I think, didn't we fight? Oh, we crucified him. Oh, that's <laughs> uh, yes, I was dressed as the devil behind the bar, which is great when drunk people walk in and see the devil behind the bar. Uh, they do a double take, and definitely nobody fucks with the devil when he's, when he's making your drinks. Yes, we did crucify. I was Martini scrappy. Brothers was playing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think we duct taped him to uh, the stage. Didn't yeah. We? Did we not? Yes, we did. <laughs> I was going to say, that, that makes me want to ask the question. Wow. <laughs> what do you do when you're bartending in a bar and a man thinks he's uh, getting in real good with your fiancé at the time? <laughs> <laughs> Other uh, real life examples. All you do is just say, come on, Johnson, man. <laughs> <laughs> 
Exactly. <laughs> it was a, it's one, probably the first time I've ever seen Matt be truly speechless and not know what to say. What happened? I don't know if I told you guys. I may have told you guys the story, but I'll tell it on air because, hey, why not? Um, years ago, at, uh, when Flavin was working at Brendy's, uh, we were all playing Wednesday Night Trivia there, and it was James, myself, and Matt, and um, uh, Teresa was visiting the bar after, I think, a roller derby match or practice. Mm-hmm. But, uh, roller derby practice, yeah. Um, Anyway, she caught our eye, and we were talking about uh, the merits of the striped knee-high socks on ladies and how fetching they were. And uh, we'd all had a couple of drinks, and Matt decided he was going to meander himself up to the bar and uh, you know, work his mojo on this lovely lady, not realizing that it was uh, Teresa, now Flavin. Um, this was before Flavin had married her. And so he goes up there, and James and I thought he'd go up, he'd say a couple things and he come back and like 15 minutes later we're like wow he really hasn't come back yet so we come waltzing up to the front of the bar to see Matt there talking with her and she leaves the leaves the bar says you know goodbye to Flavin and, and heads on out says bye to Matt or whatever and Matt's talking up this big game about how yeah I bet I could have gotten her number man no worries like yeah we, were, we had a connection yada yada <laughs> and so James and I are sitting there and we're like well we didn't see anything we didn't know she seemed nice you know maybe maybe not you know how those things are hard to judge and so Flavin comes up from behind the bar, leans in, and he goes, Hey, Johnson, you know what that girl's doing next fall? And Matt's like, no, that's a really weird question. And his response is, she's marrying me, and then just turns and just walks away. And James and I just lost it, <laughs> laughing hysterically. Matt turns bright red and just has no idea what to say. And then when Flavin came back, he's like, I could officiate the wedding, like trying to work it. Flavin wasn't mad in the least, but Matt's like trying to repair a relationship that he thought he just destroyed, which he didn't, and it was just hilariously funny. So yeah, his bravado got him in a little bit of trouble that night. It was a uh, good time. So well, again, those are, I mean, right it's away. a great, great bar story, <laughs> yeah. which is always going to reverb through our little little circle of friends. Yep. And that's, a, that's an example of a classic, just good bar interaction story, mm-hmm. you know, where... where you know, a bunch of people getting together and can have a good time. I love that story. That's, that's a good one. Yeah, have there been, one. like, ridiculous pickup lines or other oh. types of hitting ons well, that you've seen? again, ridiculous pickup lines are also funny, and as long as the women, and again, I'm, I'm assuming that the majority of them are directed toward women, you know, also find them funny, then that's just comical. What kills me is watching drunk dudes cross the line at bars. And when I say hysterical I only mean hysterical in the sense that I know sooner or later I'm gonna have to step in and do something which you know is never a problem um, it was only about two months ago uh, I had a group of attractive young ladies at the bar hanging out having a great time not not bothering anybody and, and they were great customers I was enjoying having them in the bar and then you know, in comes a like a duo of, of stumbling idiots who you could tell had been out drinking all night and uh, were, were definitely thinking about what was going to happen after last call. So they tried to weasel into these girls' conversations and the girls expertly just kind of blocked them out, were not interested, closing shoulders, you know, turning their backs on them and stuff like that. This one guy just, the other guy wandered away. Uh, the second guy just wouldn't stop. He just kind of positioned himself, and it was, you know, kind of like the nature show, watching a, you know, a, a, <laughs> a, you know, a hyena try to get into the circle, you know, of feeding going on. And at one point, he even gave up on that, and then he literally turned his drunken gaze to one of the girl's rear ends, and then it, it happened in such slow motion that I, I literally think I could have intervened, just reached out and 
grabbed her. Oh. Wow. And she jumped in the air, but not as bad as he jumped when I yelled at the top of my lungs, asshole! <laughs> Get the fuck out! <laughs> and he just looked like someone hit him with a two-by-four, which would have been funny, too. But, uh, and just, you know, kind of drunkenly stumbled away. And, of course, our doorman then escorted him, you know, out the door. And... But again, that's kind of the other rewarding part of being a bartender is when, you know, then you've got four girls going, oh, my God, thank you so much. Thank you so much for helping us. Because it is our job to make sure that you are having a safe, enjoyable time. I mean, not just directly related to liquor, but that, you know, there aren't fights, there aren't, there isn't harassment going on, there's not a lot of trauma, that kind of stuff. So a bartender is also a policeman. So sometimes when you see a bartender maybe not making your drink right away, it's because they're dealing with the drunk <laughs> asshole at the end of the bar, or they're protecting a girl, or maybe walking somebody to their vehicle or something like that. You know, these are all the things we have to do. We're also babysitters. Well, I think that that's what separates like a good bartender from a great bartender. Remember years ago, I was at Brendy's and um, had come to the front of the bar for some reason and a dude like offered to buy me a shot. Clearly he was lonely, just wanted somebody to talk to. Next thing you know, 20 minutes have gone by and I'm like stuck in this conversation with this guy who's just going on and on and on. And there was no polite way to just sort of be like, I gotta go. And the next thing you know, bartender there was like, hey Rob, Steve wants to see you down at the end of the bar. I had no idea who the hell Steve was. Never saw him before in my life. But they had seen that I was trapped in a bad situation mm-hmm. and gave me that cue to be like, oh, dude, thank you so much, but I got I to gotta go talk to my buddy Steve. And that's the sort of thing that can just take a night that was – or a situation that's completely uncomfortable and somebody just came in, swooped in, and saved you. Absolutely. So yeah. you didn't have to make a bad situation worse. A bartender should always know what's going on in their bar no matter what. And again, there's, there's differences. There's little tiny corner bars and then there's clubs. You know, And in clubs, you obviously rely on a lot more people to, to watch out for that stuff. But you've got to be aware of the people, at least right in front of you at that time. How sober are they? How drunk are they? Are they belligerent? Are they about to throw up on the floor? Are they fighting with their significant other or whatever else it is? Because any of those things can get out of control in a second. So even if it's something benign, like just getting an annoying person off of somebody, (laughs) sure, I've done that a hundred times. You know, we have all sorts of regulars who, you know, I can even say, don't sit next to that guy. (laughs) Or, you know, to anybody, a guy or a girl, that guy will talk your ear off or, you know, or yes, get somebody out of a bad conversation or protecting female patrons from annoying male patrons, you know, that kind of stuff. It's all part of the job. Well, and I appreciate that. Uh, I was recently at the rooftop bar at Telus, and the bartender was explaining that there seems to be now a regular gentleman who comes right after happy hour ends and drinks till closing, but all he drinks is water and seems to just like talking to young ladies. And it's, you know, the bartenders were like, that is unusual, and we keep a close eye on Mm -hmm. it. And I'm like, that is a public service that needs to be rewarded more. I mean, I feel like everyone at the bar should be like, here's an extra tip for making sure that Creepzoid over there isn't, like, messing with drinks or, you know, trying to take... 21-year-old girl's home because he's a creeper. You know, that's that's good stuff. Absolutely. Creepy. (laughs) That was weird to me. So um, where are you currently working? Like, I know you're at Rumpel Brewskins, but is that the only place you're working? Yes, right now I'm just, and and, uh, it's funny. I mean, you know, 20-plus years being in it, uh, I'm kind of almost at a point where uh, one night a week is enough. (laughs) <laughs> so I'm at, I'm at Rumpel Brewskins. I enjoy it. Uh, used to be the old halls up on Plum Street. Yeah. Uh, a really good friend of mine, Don Rose, the owner there. Um, and 
uh, it was again, I was I was out of the bar business for a really well now and looking back at a really brief period of time for me, it was it was a couple of good months. And during that time I was out of it, I was really considering whether or not I wanted to get back into it. Um, you know, the beauty of a great, 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 great town like Lancaster is that, yes, the, the bar community is very close-knit. We all know each other. You know, uh, for one reason or another, you leave one bar, it's almost a guarantee you can walk into almost any other and somebody just knows you or appreciates, you know, your style of bartending will pick you up. But I was actually kind of staying out of it. I wandered into Bruskins, which is in my neighborhood, uh, just completely randomly one night just to grab, in my mind, one beer and was asked by my buddy Donro, hey, we just had someone quit. Can you cover a couple of shifts? And that was almost two years ago. So you know. yeah. They do have the best wings. I was just wings there. and Good burgers. Wings. I got I to gotta oh, give you yeah. burgers, too. Wednesday, burgers? Wednesday yeah. night is burger night. We have the burgers all the time, but which the burgers are burger fantastic. Fantastic. Wednesday, Wednesday night is burger night. But yeah, yes, fantastic wings and a great wing selection, yes. Donro and Shady are like two of the best guys ever. Absolutely I correct. Love those yep. guys. Um, I use I did uh, Friday lunches there for quite a while and got to know them quite well on like slow one thirty in the afternoon on a Friday when there are just a couple of regulars came in for lunch and uh, yeah they are good people so yeah. I imagine you fit in quite well there. Well, it's fun. I mean, it's it's ironic though that I work Friday nights because and this has nothing to do with Bruskins. This has to do with everywhere I've ever worked. I hate working Friday nights. <laughs> So here's, here's another thing, not just because Friday nights are a great night to go out. I don't think they're particularly any better than any other night to go out. Friday nights, here's another thing, bar patrons, please do me a favor. Friday night crowds are just different. Yeah. On, on a Friday nights, you can work any other day during the week. And for the most part, people, I think, kind of compose themselves. Most people, obviously, there's, there's exceptions all over the place. But you got to get up the next day. You got to go to work. You got to do whatever. Or you're not in particularly celebrating anything. Obviously, people's birthdays and all sorts of other celebrations happen throughout the year. Friday nights, people come out with a mission <laughs> to get fucked up. I mean, but yeah. they're angry. They're, they're angry because yeah. of all the shit that's happened all week and Friday comes around and people just go out and they've got only one intention and that is to get fucked up. And Friday crowds are different. Saturdays, I love working Saturdays, but my wife doesn't like me working Saturdays because she wants us to spend time together. So I don't work Saturdays so much. Occasionally I'll, I'll fill in for one. But Saturdays, everybody slept in late. You know, you got laid, hopefully, and, you know, you spent the afternoon laying around or doing some family stuff or going to a barbecue, and then you come out Saturday night, and you're mellow. You are all so mellow. It's so pleasant to see you on a Saturday night. <laughs> when you come out Friday, you're angry, vicious people who are just, who have no fucking patience for anything other than getting as fucking drunk as you possibly can. So, I mean, just go easy on Fridays, people. <laughs> That's actually really interesting. I never would have thought about the fact that like people would be different on different days for drinking. I, I could mean, definitely see that. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I usually avoid actually going out on Friday nights. I think probably for that reason, because there is a yeah definitely more aggressive. There's a different vibe. Yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right. And, you know, guys are more likely to be just pissed off or they went out with a certain expectation of maybe about getting laid mm -hmm. or whatever it was. And they just, you know, especially when we see them around 1.30, you know, <laughs> like, oh, God, I'm going to go home alone. Yeah. So I'm pissed off and I'm going to start a fight with somebody or, you know, or it just or they started drinking as soon as I got out of work at five o'clock. And then you suddenly it's one o'clock in the morning and you've been drinking for eight hours and 
that's going to have an effect on your behavior, you yeah, know. Yeah. But I always say, people go into, people come out of a drinking night in whatever mood they went into it with. I mean, if you went in happy, you're going to come out happy. If you went in pissed off, you're going to come out pissed off. And unfortunately, I think Fridays for a lot of people are that like, fuck work, I'm going to go out and get drunk. But then suddenly eight hours later, all that's left is fuck. <laughs> like, you know, whether or not it's literal or just an anger thing, it just means you are pissed off. And there's more problems on Friday nights than just about any other drinking night during the week. When you then have to cut these people off, is there a, what do you have? What do you do? Cutting people off is weird. I mean, it's I don't have a problem with it. I know for a lot of bartenders, again, this is the this is you know you take a bartending course, they're not going to spend a ton of time on dealing with customers. They're going to teach you drink recipes, mm. you know. But what you really have to do is you have to learn how to shut people down. And a big part of it to me is how much control did you have over the bar in the first place? If you have total control over the bar, then shutting somebody down is not a part, not a problem. You know, to flag somebody just means hey. You know, I'll give you some water after this, or I think you've had enough. You got to ride home, and if you've already had a, a, a rapport with that person, especially you know a rapport in which they realize you're in charge, it's usually not a problem. Even the biggest guys will be like, "Okay, you're right. I probably had enough," and that kind of thing. It's 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 unfortunately if you haven't been the person running the bar and the customers have been running the bar, that's when they tell you, "Fuck you. I'm gonna." You know, I'm having another one, or you can't cut me off, or what are you going to do about it, that kind of thing. And that's when things get out of control. So, you know, for a lot of times, and believe me, I know, I know the stories personally about me. I'm a hard ass. I'm a dick. I'm the guy who, you know, uh, treats people like shit and stuff like that. The one thing I will say in my defense is I own every bar that I work at. And I don't mean own it literally like, you know, the title. <laughs> but when I'm working behind a bar, I'm in charge. And anything that happens beyond that was because the other person decided not to just do the right thing and yeah. just play along with what they should have done, you know. Um, well, legally, but, you have to be. You have to be. Well, you do. You're position. absolutely correct because a bartender is ultimately liable. Yeah. Uh, the the bar is first, but there have been situations, and these have been unfortunately, well, I would say fortunately, more unfortunately, uh, more common where bartenders as individuals have been sued. Because they have not controlled people's consumptions of alcohol. Yeah. So, you know, absolutely. And I take that seriously. I take it seriously when I'm protecting the liquor license of the establishment I work at. You know, LCB's out there. They're planning people. They're in there. They're watching. You know, people are getting written up for over-serving. People are getting written up for not carting. People are doing all sorts of things. They're also getting, luckily, and I, I just realized this. I used to complain about this all the time. Uh, that LCB never actually commends anybody for doing anything until I got commended for carding an underager that LCB sent in oh, nice. uh, oh, to my bar one time. I got a letter saying, hey, you did the right thing. So that was nice. In I, the I, mail? It came in the mail? came in the mail. Oh, you didn't know it was going to just one day? There was like, you didn't I, know it was who funny. it was? I didn't or... even, well, this is, uh, I'll tell you the whole story. So this kid comes in, and it was a Friday I was working, and, you know, kid comes in and, says, boy, I really need a drink. And I said, boy, I really need your ID. <laughs> and, you know, and he handed me an ID, and it's my habit to usually turn around and hold it under the lights that are you know, behind the bar just so I can see it clearly and, and check it for the reflection of the hologram and stuff. So I turn around, I look at it, I'm, I'm moving the license around, and it clearly says under 21 until 2017, 
and I paused to do the math in my head to make sure that we weren't in 2017 and I hadn't forgotten or something like that. Yeah. And I'm like, no. And I turned around with, a, with, a, with you know, an incredulous look on my face and said, you're not even close, dude. What you, what you, what, why'd you even hand me this? And he goes, oh, come on, man. I really need a drink. And I was like, I can sell you some food to go and that's about it. You know, but if, but you know, unless you're ordering something to go, you got to go. You know, you got to leave. Mm-hmm. So we got up and walked out. 30 minutes later, I got a text. Again, this is how close-knit the bartending community is. Uh, from my very good friend, Frith, who works over at yeah. Dipco uh, Dispensing Company. And Frith texts me and says, everybody, alert. LCB sending underage kids into bars. And, I, and that all made oh. sense. I would throw my, oh, I get it. Yeah. All right, it's an LCB sting. All right, thank God. I stopped him and I just I texted Frith back and, and described him. It was a young kid, polo shirt, blonde hair. And he goes, goes, oh my God, that was him. I'm like, he was just here. And, and thank God we didn't serve him either and everything like that. So, you know, it just that was the entertaining story for the night, you know. And again, LCB, we don't text each other to warn each other. <laughs> when, when you guys are doing your inspection raids, we don't tell each other and everything like that. Um, but then, like a week later, a letter came in the mail saying, a commendation basically. That's you awesome. Know, yeah. we, we, we deliberately sent an underage person into your bar. They did not get served and congratulations. So what was the worst fake ID then you saw? Oh, I've seen IDs that were uh, so bad. I mean, just... You know, a, a yellow dinner napkin with I am 21, you know, <laughs> written on it in crayon probably would have been better than some of these. The ones that peel apart, the ones mm. that you can tell have been, you know, deliberately peeled apart and, you know, numbers scraped off or changed or, uh, you know, people aren't even creative anymore when it comes to that. Uh, the best, actually now the internet provides a lot of underage uh, IDs, supposedly, but those are really easy. The best one I think I ever saw actually had a hologram because a lot of times the bouncers are just flicking them back and forth. All they want to see is the glimmer of a hologram. You have to look at the hologram to see what it is. <laughs> so PA clearly has Keystone on it and says, you know, PA and all, yeah. and all the counties and stuff like that on it. Uh, this one, I, I flicked it back and forth and I looked at the kid and said, uh, so this is a license that came from the United States of the world because it was a globe. <laughs> like, you know, and like there's not a, there's not a state in the world that has a globe hologram yeah. on it. You know, and the kid just you know froze up and looked at me, and I was like, you know. And then here's here's the other great debate: Do you give the ID back or not? Uh, the law says you give the ID back because it's that person's property. And what I always say is, um, I'm going to hang on to this if you want. I'll call the police and they can come and then they'll tell me to give it back to you. And nine out of 10 kids obviously walk out the door. The (laughs) stupid ones go, give me my ID back. And I'm like, "Uh, yeah, okay, I'll call the police and they'll come and they'll tell me to give it to you. Okay, call them. (laughs) Not a problem. (laughs) You're asking me to call the police to the scene of a crime, but okay, (laughs) here we go. And you know, the police show up and say, oh yeah, give it back to them. And as soon as I hand it to them, they then issue them a citation for Use of a false ID. Stupid awesome. Wow. Nose, no <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Stupid. Stupid nose. No boundaries. <laughs> uh, well, we've hit it on it a little bit. Uh, you touched on it a little bit, but I guess from a bartender's perspective, tipping rules. Because even within like our group of friends, there are right. those who say this amount's okay. No, that amount needs the bare minimum. And I just 
What would as a bartender as it just a, a good fair thing? What do you, how do you guys be tipping? See, that's it. Like you know, I almost consider this like a loaded question because obviously anyone listening to what I'm going to say is be like, of course you're going to tell us to tip as much as well, possible, All right? Um, if you're running a tab, twenty percent. Okay. You know, twenty percent based on service. Now I'm going to say twenty percent is what you give for good service, which is you know your drinks were good and you got waited on on time and that kind of stuff. So if you're running a tab, I would say 20%. Um, now if your bartender went way out of the way, or if you're aware of the fact in bar owners, this never happens, uh, your bartender maybe you know slipped you a couple beers or gave you a free round of shots or something like that, then obviously you want to adjust a little bit higher. If you're in a bar where you're just doing cash over the barrel head, typically, you know, again, it, if you're ordering 10 drinks, I don't necessarily say you have to leave $10. But if it's a beer each time or whatever, it's usually a buck a drink. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's pretty standard. I mean, most bartenders that I know, I can't speak for everybody, are going to appreciate the fact that, you know, you came up, you got two beers and you left two bucks. Great. Fantastic. Thank you. And, you know, again, some people will be like, oh, but, you know, my friend got a, you know, an IPA for five bucks and I got a, you know, PBR for $1.75. So... It took us the same time to pour them. <laughs> okay, True. you know, it, you know. Yes, I poured your IPA and I poured your PBR, and they took the same time. So we don't make the distinction that one beer is more expensive than the other. <laughs> so you know, or if, oh, I'm always drinking PBR, so I don't have to, you know, leave a nickel or you know, <laughs> leave, a, leave a quarter every time I, I you know, I get a beer. Uh, when some other guy is tipping us a buck on each five dollar draft. Guess what? When it comes around to tipping, I know who to look for. I'm going to be going after that guy every single time, as opposed to the guy who's leaving me the, you know, the quarter out of his, you know, two dollars, and he leaves on a dollar seventy-five beer. So, yeah, you know, I think a lot of people aren't comfortable with the fact that they will get different, varied amounts of service based on how much they tip. But I guarantee you, if it's a bartender that you know has been in the business for a long time, and we make our living doing this. We know who's tipping us and who's not, and we make adjustments accordingly. Again, doesn't necessarily mean you're getting a worse drink. We're not allowed to do that, but you are definitely not getting the same kind of service because huh. we got to make choices. Yeah, <laughs> that's why I mean that's a joke I make sometimes to people, and they don't like that response. People, are, hey, you haven't been waiting on me. I'm waiting on the people to tip me. That's a, that's a perfectly reasonable thing for me to say if I have to make decisions. No, that's true. <laughs> um, the other question I have is. Where do bartenders go to drink after their shift's over? Uh, <laughs> um, no place uh, is open. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, uh, most bars are really good about uh, you know letting bartenders hang out in their bars. Of course, you know, LCB laws still apply. Um, but you know, after a bar's closed, we all like to hang out with each other. Uh, typically, bartenders mostly wait until what we call the industry weekend. Uh, everybody else goes back to to work on. You know, Mondays and Tuesdays Monday. for people who are in the industry full time. Mondays and Tuesdays, Sundays, Mondays and Tuesdays are our weekends. Okay. Um, and bartenders do like to hang around with each other quite a bit. Uh, we do a lot of stuff together. You know, especially if we know somebody we are like is working one of those nights, then we like to go and congregate and hang out with them. Um, so uh, hanging out after shifts, um, it's you know, a lot of bartenders back in the day. 
Um, I haven't been to too many lately, but it's mainly because of my domestic, <laughs> my domestic situation of being married. Uh, a lot of late night bartender parties, you know, okay. you know, bartenders just have, you know, everybody over their house after and just, you know, hang out till the wee hours of the morning because that's the other thing. If you know a bartender is working full time, that person's a night owl. <laughs> you know, if you're wondering why that person's not calling you to go hiking or play golf at eight in the morning, because <laughs> that person only went to sleep four hours ago. And, you know, and, and needs at least two more probably or three more, four more, whatever else it is. That's good. I know I want a beer after work some days and oh, I can right. easily get it. So I don't want bartenders to have to suffer as well. No, I mean, you know, we'll all hang out, especially if, you know, depending on the size of your, uh, but, you know, almost every establishment, there's at least one other person working with you. But as places like the Chameleon, and again, I'll, I'll, I'll give all props up to uh, Rich Ruoff, the original owner of the Chameleon. And Jesse will know this only because... He lived through it with me a bunch of times. Um, actually, Adam did it quite a bit in his day, too. So Jesse's brother, Adam, who owned the Chameleon uh, briefly after uh, Rich, were great about allowing the staff to hang out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, Rich would hang out with us until the sun would come right. up. <laughs> oh, well, plenty of times. I was, I was the person telling Rich, let's, let's go home, Rich. <laughs> about, about time to shut the bar down. Let's go. Well, he had um, a bed up in his office. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, lived in that upstairs office for a couple of years. But, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, places that really appreciate their employees will allow them to uh, decompress. Yeah. after, Especially after a really big shift, long shift, especially like a place like the Chameleon. You know, huge show or especially if there was a problem, like a, you know, uh, especially, you know, a, a aggressive night or something like that then, you know, everybody just needs to talk about it afterwards. It literally is like a little group therapy session. Everybody tells their side of the story and hangs out, and, and we all trade war stories and complain about the customers. That's the other thing your customers should know is we're all talking about you. <laughs> you know, after you left, uh, the good ones we don't have to talk about, so you're not being talked about. But if you really, uh, believe me, if you really made an impression on a bartender during the <laughs> evening, you're going to get talked about after the end of the shift. You know, the bartenders will... Uh, process that information with each other and uh, and talk about you know we always have our uh, brandies was we were always famous for playing a little game at the end of the night calling stupid question of the night you know all right everybody you know, as soon as we're all sitting down with a beer in front of us all right stupid question of the night and everybody would have something to say nice. it was very rare that somebody didn't have something to contribute to stupid question of the night I imagine even on Wednesday night trivia nights where you were having the brightest minds of the area come together you <laughs> still probably still got, probably got one really at least stupid. once in a while yeah yeah uh, you guys have anything else yeah. I'm trying to think of like every, I'm, A I'm very pleased that it sounds like I'm not being a cheap ass with tipping that's a <laughs> good thing and in general not being a, a jackass Sober me might not remember how much of a jackass drunk me might be on occasion at bars, but I'd like to think yeah. it was all good humored fun. Well, here's yeah. another good one. Uh, you know, again, just to jump in on that. If you think you were a jackass and you know the bartender, text them, call them, stop in and say, hey, if I was a jackass, I apologize. And guess what? The bartender will probably say to you, you know, I know I have. Yeah, you were a real jackass <laughs> last night. But thank you for coming in and apologizing because there's nothing worse than just seeing you the next time and having you pretend like you don't know or don't want to yeah, acknowledge that you yeah. were. You know, especially if somebody had to say something to you or calm you down or flag you or anything like that. Just, you know, we realize we're serving you intoxicants. And they, those, <laughs> those intoxicants are changing your behavior. We get that, all right? I know that. And have I had people come in and say, oh, yeah, yeah, I apologize for last night. And I go, dude, thank you for <laughs> apologizing. 
do me a favor. Don't do that again. Right. Or, you know, next time. And in fact, you know, I've actually sometimes demanded when we flagged kids, especially the F&M kids. Oh, my God. If we've kicked somebody out for 30 days, it was always a condition. If I was the person who, who, who uh, you know, 86 them or something like that, I'd be like, and when he comes back, and again, I, I use the generic he because it's almost always all he's. But when he comes back, he has to talk to me before he's allowed back in because I want to explain why he got flagged or kicked out or what he did. And one of my favorite stories, I'm uh, totally interjecting, but uh, I had a kid who, yes, was a total, sorry, stereotypical F&M jackass. You know, arrogant, you know, demanding, just a prick. And I threw him out one night for being exactly that guy, and he got flagged for 30 days or something like that. And I, I said to the, to the owner, I was like, when he comes back, please, he has to talk to me before he's allowed back in. The owner said, no problem. So the guy came back after his 30 days, but he wasn't allowed in that night because I wasn't working. But he said, you know, Flav said he'll be in tomorrow night to talk to you. And I sat the kid down, and I was like, look, everywhere you go in life, there is going to be a bar. And you are going to rely on that bar and that bar staff to make an impression on you. It was like, you know, you're a business major, right? And it was a total guess in the dark, but it turns out... <laughs> You know, yeah. So the kid was a businessman. I'm like, you're gonna go work in some big firm somewhere, and that big firm is gonna have a bar in the in the lobby of your building, and you're gonna want to take clients there, and you're gonna want to make an impression. And if you walk in there and the bartender treats you like an asshole, your clients are gonna think you're an asshole. If you walk in there and the bartender says to you, "Hey, X, how you doing? You know, I, I got your old fashioned for you right here, the way you like it. And what can I get your friends? And you know, here's some peanuts, and you know, here's the menu." then you're, they're going to be impressed with you. And the kid kind of looked at me and shook his head and was like, okay, no problem, and stuff like that. Home, fast forward, homecoming, a couple years later, kid comes back and says, holy shit, I work in a firm with a bar in the lobby and we take clients there. And that bartender is my best friend in the entire world because I made him that way from day one and it paid off. So, yes, what I'm teaching these kids now <laughs> is valuable life experience, you know, for the world, the way the world works. It seems pretty obvious that rule number one should be don't piss off the person that is the gatekeeper to your alcohol. Yeah. Or, or, or anything in yeah. general, but more specifically uh, in this Unless, instance. of course, you're the person who thinks if you talk louder, they'll just give in. Which is one of my other favorite things in the whole world, you know. Yikes. When you get into and you get into discussions, discussions <laughs> with drunks, and they think, oh, if I just you know get louder, he'll eventually change his mind. <laughs> like, no, I had a pretty good idea what I wanted to do before we started this conversation, <laughs> and I'm more convinced of it now. <laughs> I'm the sober one. Right, here. Right, exactly. Uh, nice. Completely different topic so you're doing playing music you're uh writing music i mean is there a, do you drink while doing this is there a particular beer you have is there... oh i am a big guinness drinker uh love guinness um my irish roots uh but uh you know huge irish whiskey fan big jameson guy mm -hmm. um so uh but obviously i'm drinking michelob as we speak right in front of us um <laughs> Uh, you know, I, again, I enjoy alcohol, and I'm in the mood for all sorts of different things too. All right. I mean, you know, it's not like a go-to. Not really. All right. I joke about it all the time. If I'm at the beach, 
yeah, I want a pina colada. <laughs> you, know, I mean, yeah. you know, I want a frozen drink out of a big plastic, you know, honking mug or, you know, whatever else it is. You know, if it's a Sunday morning, I want a Bloody Mary. If I'm out to a really nice, sophisticated dinner, then, you know, I want a, you know, perfect dirty blue coat martini with three olives. I mean, you know, alcohol is something which is absolutely situational. You know, you're just hanging out in the backyard. Like you guys just had that great party. Happy birthday, Thank by the you. way. Thank um, you. you know, yeah. I mean, that's I would consider that a craft beer thing. Yeah. But if I'm hanging out with a bunch of punk dudes and stuff like that, and there's a big cooler full of PBR cans, then I'm happy as shit. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's just you when, know, when in Rome. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. So I mean, I really think like alcohol is a, a, a obviously a beautiful thing. Love it, and it really can make different situations so much better. I mean, just by you know great use and application of it <laughs> Indeed. i've always thought of it as an enhancer absolutely uh, for good or for worse if you're having a good time it can make a good time better if you're having a bad time it can make a bad time really worse uh so you got to kind of have to be careful how you're using it but uh yeah the best experiences i've ever had in my life have always been with friends and usually some form of alcohol is involved of course absolutely yeah yeah nice Real quick question. So obviously there's vodka, whiskey, gin, the staples. What should every home bar have that maybe ah, isn't, isn't as obvious? Good yeah. one. Well, I do. I actually have a bar at the house. So, yeah. I mean, when people walk in, they're like, oh, you have a bar here too. And I'm like, oh, yes. You, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. you get behind there. See how easy it is. <laughs> um, Every bar should have, if you're going to plan to make drinks for anybody, mm -hmm. the four white liquors. I mean, you should have vodka, rum, gin, and tequila. Mm -hmm. um, most people probably forego the tequila because there's not a lot of tequila drinkers out there. Um, triple sec is a great thing to have around just because it mixes with all those pretty well. Um, and then, uh, like I said, a good, decent whiskey, depending on your uh, you know, your preference at it. I mean, obviously lots of people like blended whiskeys. Um, I'm a big fan of Irish whiskeys, but you know, the, a lot of people will keep a bourbon around, whatever else it is. Um, and then after that, it's all taste. I mean, whatever else you like, we have, uh, St. Germain elderberry flower liquor at Ooh. my house because that's what my wife likes. Mm -hmm. You know, um, we have, uh, we have a huge bottle of Jameson, uh, I will occasionally, you know, especially with coffee, I'll, I'll want, you know, a little Kahlua and coffee. I keep Tawaka at the house for those things. Uh, <laughs> it went into my, uh, there would probably have a couple decent bottles of wine, but I also have a lot of mead at my house. I love oh, nice. mead. Oh, wow. yeah. um, so it, it's a bar is as individual as the people who occupy that bar. Um, whatever you like, you know, and again, I, I love the fact, um, uh, yeah, the, the state liquor stores have done a much better job of getting a, a lot better things. I do think it should be privatized because then we're really going to see uh, a great amount of variety come in more than we have. But I think they did respond to the fact that for a long time you could get anything in Pennsylvania. And the, yeah. the PA state liquor stores did respond to that, especially with the wine. Uh, they did a good job yeah. with that. So it's easy to have a well-stocked home bar. But I, I would say it's like saying, what kind of painting should you hang in your house? What you like is what should be in your bar. You find yourself walking into parties and stuff and like judging people by their, <laughs> their, their liquor collection and be like, what? No rum? Are these people insane? <laughs> no, actually, if people collect, I mean, if people have a home bar or, you know, then I think that's a, 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 
I'll go back to my original analogy. I would look at their home bar to tell me as much about them as I would the pictures on their walls mm. or their movie or music collection. You know, I'd browse it and be like, oh, that's different than mine, but that's pretty cool. Uh, you know, because mine's like got uh, slivers of whiskey left because I drink that like crazy <laughs> and tons of gin because I'm not a big gin guy. Right, right, right. Yeah, I like well, I can tell so I, I like this idea of telling someone their personality based on their their alcohol preferences. I think we should. Should come up with something about personality. That. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Don't, right. don't judge me by our home bar. I'm <laughs> missing so many things, including a nice whiskey. Although well, that would look- be fun. Yeah, everybody, everybody takes snapshots of theirs, and then we throw them on the floor and mix them up, and everybody has to pick. Pick who's his. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. So yeah. we go with that. Oh. This person clearly's got rich tastes and his little snooty, <laughs> so probably fits with this uh, <laughs> high end stuff over here. And then this is completely empty bottle, so that's the lush. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like he could judge a lot that way. So your your liquor cabinet's a little uh, yeah a little dry right now. Right? Emily just did get a couple of things. She actually just got tequila and triple sec. So oh. we're halfway there. We do have a gin. I always make the joke that uh, you're you well on your way to a good uh, tequila sunrise right there. Oh, yeah. My vegetable crisper is always full of the craft beer that no one's supposed to drink at my house. So uh, I don't store vegetables. I store fine craft beers in yeah. my crisper. Yeah, same here. Well, uh, thank you, Flavin, for coming out to the show. Uh, we really appreciate it. It's always uh, enlightening to take a look at the people who, uh, who bring us the things that we love so dearly. Um, I'm pretty pleased to hear that me and my friends in general are not exactly j- jackasses when it comes to <laughs> hanging out at bars. That's always a relief. Yeah, it's been a I, long time. Yeah. <laughs> I may know one or two mutual people that uh, have been banned from Brendy's while you were working there once or twice or five times but uh, in general I think we're all yeah Mike was banned for a day or something like that right I think it was for a month probably for a month okay at least for a day yeah. you want to you fill in that story there yeah later on <laughs> alright um, but uh, yeah in all seriousness I think um, one of the, the big things that the industry really forgets about is the fact that there are people behind the bar that are working really hard who have an expertise in all of the exploding markets of you know alcohol, wine, and beer, and I know it's got to be hard on you guys to keep up with all of the customer demand for new stuff all the time, and then being an expert in it, so we don't have to be. Thank you. Uh, actually, yeah, as far as keeping up with the new liquors, it's our pleasure. I will try anything. <laughs> the, the liquor reps, I, I might have given them a bad rep earlier, but they, uh, they actually do bring us stuff and let us try it, and I'm always willing to do that. And um, but yeah, you know, I, I think when you when you look behind the bar, you're probably going to see a person who really does enjoy serving people. I mean, you know, they wouldn't be in it otherwise. Uh, believe me, I've gone back and forth and I've had my moments where I wanted to be out of it because I wasn't enjoying it anymore. And what draws me back is, you know, when, thing, when things are moving well at a bar, they're great. They're great for you. They're great for us. So we enjoy it. So, yeah, I mean, you know, speaking on behalf of all my brethren servers out there, um, we just want to have fun too. Awesome. Awesome. that's it for today's show thank you all for listening um as i said we are going to be uh debuting more episodes talking to other uh famous bartenders from around town to try to get as many perspectives on this particular issue as possible um and also to highlight the people that we know who do a damn good job at serving everyone in town alcohol join us next week uh we'll be back for a full episode and depending on how things go with jesse and i on friday we might even have some special additional content outside the circle of our normal episodes thanks for listening and as always keep on drinking
That's today's show. For more information on today's podcast or to subscribe to the show, visit www.blindtigerpodcast.com or look for us on iTunes. Send comments or questions to show at blindtigerpodcast.com. To suggest or request a beer for beer versus beer or to ask a question for Homebrew 101, email show at blindtigerpodcast.com. Thanks for listening and keep drinking.